Welcome, wrestling fans, to the latest episode of the Wrestling Time Machine Podcast. This is your first time here. Hey, thank you. But also, welcome. We're going to be talking about all kinds of old wrestling. I'm one of your co-hosts, Bobby Fisher, and on the line with me, as always, is my wonderful co-host, Leith Gray. Hello, everyone. Hello, and also joining us tonight is a very special guest, Brian Barrera of WCW Worldwide. Hey, you nailed it. Perfect. I nailed it. Good job. It's okay. You get a cookie. Yeah, I, <laughs> I have to I have to guess how to pronounce last names all the time in my line of work. So thumbs up. I say to absolute cuz I'm actually like I started doing the thumbs up and then I'm like, "Wait, nobody can see me." Very nice. Yeah, I've been podcasting for 4 <laughs> years. Thank you guys for inviting me on. It's going to be a, a fun show, and it's kind of it's good. I've listened to the past couple of episodes you you both have released, and I want to say like right off the bat before we really get started, uh, Bobby. To me, whenever I hear you talk, I keep imagining you know don't take offense to this. Uh, Cole Sprouse, you know what that is? Yeah, that's that's one of the the twins from the Sweet Life of Zach and Cody, right? Yeah, yeah. We, my wife and I we watch him a lot on Riverdale. He's oh. Jughead, and while when I'm listening to the podcast, I'm just some there's little hints of your voice that kind of like match some of the things that he says. So I've just been kind of like imagining, oh yeah, I'm just gonna sit here and talk some wrestling with Jughead. That should be fun. That's that's okay. I will absolutely eat my weight in burgers. And this I'll, is amazing. And I will wear one of those weird crown hats. I did not know he was Jughead on Riverdale. That's interesting. Yeah, it's a it's a really dumb show, but we both like it. So <laughs> it's like it's good dumb. It's like Twin Peaks meets Archie's. It's good. It's a good time. Look, if we didn't like dumb TV, we wouldn't be here. <laughs> that's, why that's ultimately why we're here. This is what has drawn us together: is bad TV. I think I can say with confidence that oh boy, WCW Saturday Night is a slog. Oh, it's wonderful. <laughs> it is It is a chore to get through some days, especially those two-hour episodes. Oh, my goodness. Like yeah, how see, many squash matches can they have? <laughs> yeah, yeah that, that that seemed to be out of place. I thought they were all going to be, you know, quick little 40-minute things, but no, the two-hour episodes, good Lord. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's why, like, I got to the to the end of the watch list like this past weekend and I was like alright, alright, last episode it's WCW Saturday now, oh it's two hours <laughs> and it's like looking at my wife like I have to apologize, like I'm sorry uh, so anyway Brian, thank you for, for being here and of course no offense taken to the Cole Sprouse <laughs> comment at all, um, like I said I, I will happily eat my weight in burgers that's why I have to hit the gym uh, so thank you for joining us, and so you run WCW Worldwide. 
Yeah, it's a little hobby of mine. I've been doing it, I guess, now for maybe three or four years. The WordPress itself has only existed for maybe half of that time, but before oh, okay. that, it was a Tumblr site, and yeah. it's just me scanning in old issues of WCW Magazine and putting it on Tumblr and getting reactions from that. So let's. One of the things I always like to to ask people, especially uh, you know when we're, I mean you're our first guest. You are, you are the trendsetter here. Cool. So, yeah. So how did you first get into professional wrestling? <sighs> well, I guess like anyone else. See, I'm only 33 years old, so I guess there's a lot of people in my generation who got into professional wrestling through the video games. Okay. So in 1990, that's when I first saw WCW Wrestling for the Nintendo Entertainment System. It was on like the local uh, shelf at a it wasn't a Blockbuster, but whatever a local mom and pop rental place. Sure. And the cover has got both the Road Warriors and there's Hawk and there's Animal. They're wearing all black, the spiky metal pads, and for whatever <laughs> reason, it just like caught my eye. Oh my god, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen. I need this, and. I enjoyed the game. I played the other WWF games, and then I moved on to renting the tapes from Blockbuster and Hollywood Video and kind of learning about professional wrestling that way. So I didn't have cable growing up, mm-hmm. so I didn't become like a weekly wrestling guy. Yeah. But until like 98, that's when I became like the true hardcore wrestling fan. But you, as a kid, that's how I got introduced to it, were the VHS tapes and the video games. Now, this would be the video game I just dropped in the chat here, WCW Wrestling with uh, Hawk and Animal and the big black shoulder pads, right? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Okay. Got the official Nintendo seal of approval there. And, and, and I guess, like, it's one of those games that if you were a fan of wrestling at the time, you might have loved it. That was the greatest thing, but going back nowadays, it is so terrible. Like, I don't <laughs> even know why it wasted so much time with it. Look, there have been some not great wrestling games. I think we can all all agree on that. Except for <laughs> except for Crush Hour. Crush Hour is the greatest. It, has anyone played Crush Hour or am I the only no. one? No. No? Oh yeah, the, the monster trucks. Yes. Yeah, it's it's basically WWE Twisted Metal. Weird. Yeah. <laughs> and that's like what early 2000s WWE, so you got yeah. like, The Rock and Hogan and Rob Van Dam and their monster trucks shooting at each other. Yeah, like, it's the the premise of the game. They actually gave it a story because I guess it needed a story for some reason. The premise of, of the course. Yeah, the premise of the story <laughs> is basically Vince McMahon buys up all the TV ever. And he's just like, well, I guess we need race cars. So, <laughs> I don't know, go, go race. It seems pretty accurate, actually. Yeah. And... <laughs> Like, believe me, I would I would much rather see Vince McMahon actually like produce a an actual race car league than his new XFL venture. Well, it's one thing when you say race car league, but these monster trucks were equipped with missiles and turrets. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean like, that's, that's a bit much to ask of these independent contractors, don't you think? <laughs> yeah, I don't I know mean, what the insurance would be on something like that. <laughs> yeah. And I just, I love that they put right on the back cover of the game, if you actually look up, if you're playing along at home, look up WWE Crush Hour. That's like the selling point on the back of the of the video game boxes. WWE has taken over TV. 
And it's just, it's <laughs> so great and insane and just awful. It's it's fantastic. And I think all the cars even have, like, finishing moves. All the monster trucks have like, finishing <laughs> moves. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. How do what? you give... How do you give a, a car or a monster truck a finishing move? That's that's fantastic. I think it, I need to find this game. Yeah, you really do. <laughs> you really do. It's so fantastic. Yes, I think this what PlayStation 2 and Nintendo GameCube. Yeah. Okay. So, I have to keep an eye out. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure you can find it. And... I have to check the next toy con. There just, you like, go. Dig through all the games. <laughs> so, uh, Brian, with uh, with regards to WCW and mm-hmm. running the blog and getting into wrestling, what made you choose WCW over, say, other wrestling promotions? Uh, it's the one thing that really caught my eye when I became the weekly wrestling. A viewer in 98 that was mm-hmm. what really caught me i saw scott hall doing a promo on a random episode of wcw thunder and at that point i started playing the nintendo 64 game so wcw versus nw world tour that was out i loved it and i didn't realize until like that particular moment that scott hall was razor ramon from the wwf games like i had <laughs> no idea they were one and the same so once i saw that and i realized oh wait now that's diesel and now he's friends. Like it all clicked, and that's what got me excited, and that's what got me into wrestling because it was like all my favorites from these games that I played in the '90s. Now I can watch them every week. This is great. So the WWF, I knew it existed, but like there were people there that didn't appeal to me because I had no idea who they were yet. Yeah. Well, now I'm just imagining. You mentioned Scott Hall and, and Kevin Nash as like best friends, and now I'm just imagining them like skipping along on a beach. To like, oh, you're my best friend that I've ever had. That would be so great. That would be perfect. Surprised they haven't done something like that. Oh man, some of these promos are pretty weird. I mean, they—they, they, <laughs> God knows they would try, and Kevin Nash would tear his quad. <laughs> like that's it. Which I mean, I can't blame him. Have you tried running on sand? It's awful. <laughs> Running on sand is the worst. I would laugh at that Kevin Nash joke, but have you seen him recently? I do not want to cross that man in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, no, I don't blame you. Yeah, He's like 63 years old, but he's completely jacked to the gills. And he's like a giant, too. Yeah. Like, I think I like I, I saw him once like in real life, and I came up to like his hip. <laughs> so this is a picture that I just dropped in the chat. This is the Undertaker's like giant monster truck motorcycle doing some sort of spoopy graveyard finisher. Maybe that's what he'll use to to come out for WrestleMania. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> well, pretty, I've, pretty cool. I, I've heard spoiler alerts that Charlotte's uh, WrestleMania entrance is going to be based on her involvement with Triple H's WrestleMania entrance. So it's going to be all, like, barbarians and awesome. And, I mean, that's great. But I also just really want uh, Shinsuke to have an amazing WrestleMania entrance. Yeah, even his regular entrance is pretty amazing. That's why, like, (laughs) I've got my fingers crossed for, you know, Shinsuke's WrestleMania entrance. Like, it needs to be, like, incredibly over the top. So, 
uh, Brian, with uh, talking about WCW, did you have a favorite wrestler come out of WCW? Well, I guess like the easiest person to choose is Sting. Sting. He was one of the guys that I saw at the very beginning, and he was always a constant. So he was always someone I looked to whenever it came to any kind of event, especially when they did the live shows in Houston. You know, mm-hmm. if Sting was going to be there, yeah, I'd be super excited to see him. Okay. Yeah, I always, uh, like, it, it's funny, Sting is one of those guys who, because of how, how big he was in WCW, he was always kind of just, like, around in pop culture at the time. Like, you, you would see Sting on, like, promos if you were channel surfing, like, watch watch WCW Nitro on TNT. Or, yeah, like, he was somebody, like, I would recognize even though I never saw WCW. Yeah. I'd be like, like, I still know, like, I knew who Sting was. Yeah. I'm, like, eight or nine at the time. I'm flipping through the channels, and it's like, oh, that's that's that scary clown guy. What's he doing? <laughs> He's beating some dude up. I, I don't care. I'm going to go back to watching Cartoon Network. <laughs> I guess I had similar stuff. Uh, yeah. Whenever we started to get cable, I think I'd come across Sting through the, uh, oh, whatever it was, like the preview channel of all the pay-per-views that were happening. I kind of just leave it on there to see all the things that I couldn't buy because, you know, it was so brand new to us. I don't think my parents are going to plot down uh, 30 bucks for any kind of pay-per-views. But yeah. I remember seeing, you know, Sting, and I remember seeing Mankind and thinking, oh, wow, who are these You know, what's Mankind? What is this guy? And uh, Sting, oh, yeah, I remember him for the, uh, the Nintendo games. This is cool. <laughs> well, very, very cool. Uh, yeah, Sting and, like, Mankind. I don't remember seeing Mankind a whole lot growing up, but I remember, for me, it was in, like, in my school, in my sort of, like, classes and everything, it would be, like, Sting and Goldberg and D-Generation X. That was sort of, like, the biggest things. You would have kids doing, like, the suck it chants, like, the taunts and everything, and it's like, I don't even know what wrestling is at this point, and I'm just like, w- w- why, what is that gesture? What are you doing? <laughs> why, why is that, wh- what happened? Now, how old are you, Bobby? I am, oh boy, I'm going to be 29? 30. Okay, 30. Yeah. I'm going to be 30 this year. Wow. Okay, so th- that means that like, you were in middle school, and you got a lot of middle school kids running around doing cross shops, and mm-hmm. yeah. they were okay with that. Your teachers and everyone was okay with that? Because if I remember correctly, in our high school, they were starting to ban those shirts. I never... Like, I never recall seeing kids wearing a whole lot of Degeneration X shirts. I mean, there were a lot of Austin shirts, like the Austin 316 shirts. The thing is, I don't remember anyone getting in trouble for it, necessarily. Like, just the the shirt to own. Yeah. Uh, I mean, exactly. What are you going to do? Not own a Steve Austin shirt in the 90s? Get out of (laughs) here. Vince McMahon's just like, get that kid a shirt! Funny enough, in my school, I would have been in high school at the time, it was the jocks that were really into wrestling, so it was all, like, all their, like, like football t-shirts and stuff all had, like, play-on-wrestling lines. Hmm. Like, there was, like, can you smell what the wok is cooking? Because we had the, the Chinese... <laughs> 
the Chinese buffet downtown oh. was the Belfont Walk, oh. and they like, sponsored them, and la, la, la. so you had a lot of <laughs> that stuff going on, but because it was the jocks, it was like, oh, this isn't cool. Somebody somebody <laughs> give, give that Chinese restaurant a medal, because that's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like it was, I mean, there were some jock kids in in my classes growing up who were into wrestling, but there were also a lot of uh, sort of, and I don't mean this uh, disparagingly necessarily, but there were a lot of like redneck kids who were who were into wrestling. So it was it wasn't anything that was too big on my radar. And then, yeah, I mean, you would see like a lot of the Austin shirts and the you know kids doing like the DX like crotch chops but they weren't like they weren't getting in trouble for it because i don't think they were uh they were getting caught doing it <laughs> like you know oh the teacher's out of the room crotch chop gotcha right <laughs> so yeah i mean by the time like i really didn't get into wrestling until i was probably in about seventh grade so that would have been like very early 2000 2001 Okay. And, yeah, I mean, that's... It's funny that, that you say that you got into wrestling through video games, because that's kind of how I fell into it, too. So do you do you still watch, like, the current stuff? I keep track of it. I listen to the post-wrestling podcast group that basically gives me all the weekly updates. <laughs> and then I got the network, so every time a pay-per-view, if I had nothing really better going on, or if there's something I really need to see, yeah, I'll tune in on it, so... I'll watch all the uh, takeovers and then a random pay-per-views here and there. Like, there's not a bad NXT takeover. I think you would really have to struggle to find one if there is one. I mean, they're all solid, but, like, the pay-per-views anymore, it's just, it's such, it's such a weird kind of tease-slash-abusive relationship where it's like, you know, oh, man, like, this main event sounds cool on paper. How are they going to mess it up? Right. Or what great tag team are they going to break up? Which, BT-dubs, WWE, give us Tyler Breeze and Fandango as lifeguards already. <laughs> Call back, make that happen. Are you still beating that drum? Well, I'm, I will beat that drum until I die, because that gimmick is perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Every wrestler needs a second job. Heath Slater needs a second job. I mean, he doesn't even really have a first job. He's got kids. He's got kids. <laughs> uh, Heath Slater. <laughs> so, all right, so, so you watch uh, some of the, the current stuff, like you said, you, you keep up on that. Was there anything about, I guess, like growing up and, and watching all the wrestling, like were you... Were you sort of into the Monday Night Wars as they were going on? Were you, like, flipping back and forth, or were you diehard WCW, I bleed purple and gold all day? I mean, I guess as time went on, I started to get the magazines, and I started to, I guess, broaden my uh, perspective on what wrestling was, and mm. then that's when I started to get into tape trading and getting stuff from Japan and starting to watch the WWF because I realized, oh, Nitro's got a replay like late at night at 2 a.m. I could just <laughs> record that, and then I can watch WWF. If I miss anything, I could just have this tape. And eventually, yes, I became uh, an addict. <laughs> but it took me some time, and it took me a couple years to you know get everything figured out and sorted. Doing unscrupulous things for tape trading. 
Hey, hey, hey. I was a child, Bobby. <laughs> <laughs> I kid. I kid. So, you know, the the Monday Night Wars are, are going on. They, they've done, gone past, and you're doing, you're doing the WCW Worldwide blog. What would you say is is or are some of the the most fun pieces of your WCW collection? Because you've got quite a collection. Well, I have like 90% of the magazine, so like that's already one thing that has already taken over my life, and I try not to get too hardcore into collecting. Okay. Beyond that, I have a handful of the VHS tapes, uh, the weird stuff I have, like looking around right now, I have a collection of nitro grill accessories. So oh. I have a, a the pint glass, I have a couple shot glasses, I have several shirts, I have a coffee mug, uh, a beach towel, nitro grill beach towel. Uh, I got a koozie. I got a bunch of just random stuff from that because I think that's cool. I got the menu it's that I've scanned so cool. in for the for the website. So yeah. It, it really is like I'm. I'm sitting over here like legit jealous of some of those things. Uh, shout out to uh, Twitter user uh, Ring Skirts if anybody follows him. He does like some really cool uh, W WWF WCW uh, sort of like dioramas with his action figures, and he's got like a huge wrestle cave. And uh, I was talking to him the other day. One of the things he has is the WCW Monday Nitro polo shirt which I'm legit jealous of. And it's just like, oh, man, like, mm. Like, I, I'm kind of obsessed with some of the memorabilia because, I mean, I missed out on this growing up, right? Now, now is that like a brand-new polo shirt, or is no, it slightly that, used? Did he get it from Shivani? <laughs> I, I mean, that's that's certainly possible. Uh, like, I was, I was talking to him about it because, like, again, I'm just kind of obsessed with... Uh, you know, with with some of the memorabilia, and especially now that we're doing like the the blog and the you know I do my column and we're doing this podcast and everything. It's like you know when I'm sitting down and I'm watching something like uh, you know Saturday Night or what it, like I want to wear something that's appropriate. You know, I want to immerse myself in in that sort of like <laughs> world. You know, part you know the the Aladdin song or wait no it's. Little Mermaid? <laughs> Little Mermaid. Little Mermaid. Yeah, I know Disney movies. What is happening? <laughs> yeah, we're making Little Mermaid references. Yeah, there was yeah. a... Uh, it's the one that Steve McMichael is wearing in this picture that I'm going to drop in. The one with, like, the red, black, and white? Yeah, from yeah. 97. Yeah, and it's like, I just... I really want that. Like, it's so, it's so cheesy and just awful, but I want it. <laughs> See, I, I wish I, I would have known that. I would let you know that uh, Sonny Ona was selling these on eBay a while back, Aww. and it was pretty. It was pretty interesting because yeah. you would get something from Sonny Ono, he would give you an eight by ten, thanking you, uh, and I'd give you an autograph for free. And if you weren't aware that he was the one selling it, I'm pretty sure that'd be like a big surprise. Like, what yeah. the heck is this? Um, I got a Goldberg shirt through the eBay deal with Sonny Ono. 1998. It was pristine. Apparently, he just found a bunch of them in his garage. I thought it was fantastic. I wore it three times, and my laundry, uh, my um, washer just completely ate it and spit oh. it out. So, oh uh, no, I was oh. a little disappointed. So, anyways, yeah, I'll keep an eye out for you. Let's see if oh. I can find this polo. Well, thank you. And I just dropped this amazing Sting shirt in the chat. Oh, this... let's see the comic book. That's like 91, 92. Oh, 
somebody wants somebody wants $120 for this, and I'm just like, I, I wish I had a van that I could airbrush this on the side of. <laughs> oh, see, the, the thing is, the vintage wrestling shirts market has exploded right now. So, yeah, $120, that seems ridiculous, but it will sell for that price. Yeah, the one, crazy. one of the shirts I'm really kind of keeping my eye out for is, like, a WCW Four Horsemen shirt mm-hmm. with the, uh, you know, with Flair, Mondo, Arn, and Benoit on it. Sort of with, like, the uh, green in the background, I think. See, a lot of those shirts, I think the one you're talking about specifically, I think that could be plentiful. I think those were kind of like the ones they would give out to Mervins and J.C. Penney's. Like, I think yeah. that you could find those, and nowadays that would probably be, you know, $65, $80. Yeah, there's, there's one floating around that's similar that's got, uh, that's dropped Arn with uh, Malenko on it. Mm-hmm. And that one's pretty sharp. I mean, if I can't find the one I want, I would settle for, like, the, the classic, like, the horse with the flames coming out of the nose and, and everything like that. Like, I do like that one, too. Like, there there are just some great old wrestling shirts, everybody. They're yeah, and there's all... If you go onto Instagram, I think Wrestling for Sale is the guy I always turn to. That always puts up a bunch of stuff. And every now and then, he'll give me a heads up, Hey, I got this for sale. Are you interested? And... Sometimes I go, yeah, sure, and maybe I took an extra five minutes before I responded to him. He's like, oh, sorry, it's old. It's like his stuff goes immediately. There was a Macho Man shirt for 95 that went in like 20 minutes that I desperately wanted. And you said this was wrestling for sale. Wrestling for the number four, sale, S-A-L-E. Oh, well, now I'm going to have to be on Instagram more. Oh, man. I'm like debating, I'm like, should I even, like, do this or am I going to get in trouble? Oh my god. <laughs> There's a Stone Cold Steve Austin like it's supposed to be it's a 1998 t-shirt. This thing looks looks amazing. It's uh it it's supposed to be like a costume shirt. So it's got <laughs> like the vest on either side and then the gold chain and then like Stone Cold and big white letters underneath. Oh, that's that's wonderful. Oh, you probably just got me in a whole lot of trouble. I'm a, I'm a little mad about this. This is so great. Uh, yeah, goodbye your paycheck. Yeah, yeah. Get paid, and it's gone. <laughs> oh, man, those are some great shirts. Yeah, wrestling shirts are just the best, everybody. I, I, am, I am a sucker for a wrestling shirt. Yeah. I'm sure you've seen, like, part of my collection over time on mm-hmm. Twitter. It's just, I can't help it. Well, and you got a job modeling shirts. True. I get paid in shirts. Yeah. <laughs> I get uh, to keep the shirt I model. <laughs> the Chikara or the particular wrestler? That's for uh, Cobalt. It's cobalt6.com. Okay. It's his website. Uh the same the same website where they had the uh, that sting sweet uh, that really sweet sting shirt they had the undertaker denim jacket from 95 yeah that sounds about right yeah 190 dollars already sold Eesh. Ugh. i mean yeah, so i, I can't I have... blame them cuz that's that's a really that's a really rare find when it comes to 
shirts. I think the coolest things I own is the NWO Tide IT from 1999. Nice. I sold them probably like a couple months in the summer that I think Kevin Nash and a couple people, other people wore. Uh, I got that. I got a Pasta Mania shirt oh. from 1995 in the other day. And, and I have a couple like random pay-per-view crew t-shirts that I just managed to stumble upon. But like these are those shirts I actually will wear around the house and out and about, but for the most part, I try not to dive too much into collecting the t-shirts because, like you said, I mean, that's all your money devoted yeah. to getting these things. I, I think I just found the 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 holy grail. This is an ECW polo shirt for when you need to be extreme, but also business casual. <laughs> this, is, this is so great. It's like a teal... And you got the ECW Hardcore Wrestling logo there on the breast pocket. Oh, that's so amazing. I, I cannot... I want to get that and exclusively wear that to interviews now. <laughs> that's so great. Yeah, you're right. I mean, it's a, it's a very expensive habit. And this is coming from somebody who is also who is also a very big Power Rangers fan. So... Like, yeah, it's it's an expensive habit. <laughs> I say as I bookmark this Undertaker shirt for $65. Now, when you say big Power Rangers fan, like, do you mean a collector of the figures or a hardcore enough fan where you have your own suits? So I don't have any suits just yet. Yet. Okay, got I, it. I, I have thought about that. Uh, the biggest barrier for me in getting into the suits is how expensive the helmets get. Because <laughs> that, that can easily run like two, $300. But, uh, I mean, I, I collect a lot of the toys, a lot of the legacy figures. Mm-hmm. And that's that's been pretty fun. I've been collecting a lot of the Imaginex figures because those are just, like, perfect. So I have, like, the, the legacy uh, original, like, Mighty Morphin Megazord. Mm-hmm. And the way I figure it is, if we ever move into a bigger apartment one day, God willing, I'll have, like, you know, space for a man cave, or to class it up, a den. And what I'd love to do is make a Power Rangers display, and these Imaginex figures are just, like, the perfect scale for something like the Megazord. So that's something I, I picked up recently is I got the uh, re-released Rita, Repulsa, and just dropping toys all over the place. Rita, Repulsa, <laughs> and Finster Imagine X figure, and ba- uh, Babu and Squat. So I, I was really happy to get all those. And I pretty much that's ha- cool. Yeah, I pretty much have all the Imagine X figures except for any of the Zords. So I've got like Goldarn, Zed, and some putties. My wife is a is a very very patient and understanding woman. <laughs> Do you collect anything? Me? Mm-hmm. I collect way too many things. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have, I mean, I do have the wrestling t-shirts. I mostly go with the the indie guys. I try to get the t-shirt from the the wrestler specifically that, like, I'm, you know, like as a show of support kind of thing. And then I also have a video game collection, toy collection, movies. I just collect everything. <laughs> Lee, of course. Sorry, go ahead. I'll say there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. It just it gets a little expensive because then my husband also collects things. So he has like all the Magic the Gathering. We have like a million arcade sticks. It's just way, <laughs> way too much stuff. <laughs> Magic the Gathering. You mean cocaine? Because that's Magic the Gathering is is a very very addictive thing. Yeah, well, he's been playing since it it came into existence, I guess. Yeah. Technically, so. I mean, he's been he's gotten rid of a lot of stuff, like pretty much all his commons and stuff. He gave them to the local shop so that they could. I, they might have bought them for like a few bucks. I don't even remember the whole deal, but I let him go because he knows what he's doing. <laughs> <laughs> so, he, he's good at getting his his money back if need be. <laughs> so one thing I found, like speaking of collections and just like great great things, because, you know, Brian, you were talking about the, the WCW Nitro Grill stuff, which is, again, that's just great. I, I remember uh, going over the menu items, because I, I saw your post about that, like, on the blog. Mm-hmm. And I remember going over some of those items, like the menu items with my wife, and that was just fantastic. Like, I'm just, I'm so mad that, that there are times where I'm just, like, mad WCW lost, because that's that's just amazing. Yeah, I, I guess like by the time you got into wrestling, there was no place you could go to grab a Goldberger. Yeah, <laughs> they were gone at that point. So I'm sorry, you missed yeah, it. I did. I missed it. Yeah. So. so this is something I saw recently at a uh, at a toy show a couple weeks ago. This is great uh, for everybody who's playing along. I, I talked about this a little bit on the Nerdfix Strangers podcast. This is Aqua Attack Steve Austin. This is. A giant inflatable sprinkler that's just <laughs> shaped like Stone Cold Steve Austin, and water comes out of his fists. And he's yeah, four feet of awesome, awesome wet fun. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> just like the real Steve Austin. Yeah, just like the real Steve Austin. Steve Austin is in actuality four feet tall and inflatable, and filled with water. Squeeze him, see what happens. <laughs> There, there was that, and there was the Hulk Hogan camera, which puts Hulk Hogan in all your photos, which was... Wow. <laughs> what? Yes. That... Is, it, is it haunted? What is that? <laughs> let, me, let me see if I can... <laughs> yeah, this is... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drop this in the chat. It's just, it sounds like a Hogan product. That's oh, yeah. That's what's so great about it. It's, it's <laughs> so fantastic. It's, this is it. This was at one of the the wrestling toy booths at this vintage toy show. That's funny. See, that's the thing. I I don't know a lot of WWF products, so every time you drop some of this stuff on me, I'm completely blown away. Yeah, and it's so great. There was that, and then there was a little Hulk Hogan pinball machine. Oh, wow. I need... I should have used this for our wedding. This is great. (laughs) (laughs) You would have you would have loved our wedding because we had we had a wrestling themed wedding. What did you walk to walk to the ring? What did you walk down the aisle with? Uh, well, my outfit was the Randy Savage uh, Match Made in Heaven outfit. Oh yeah, yeah. It was it was pretty great. Uh, I so I walked out to Pomp and Circumstance. We had the you know we had the jacket. I had that all custom made. The hat, you know the pants. It was be- like all the fringe and everything. This is the Hulk Hogan pinball machine I just dropped. Cool. 
Yeah, so I walked down to that. My wife walked down to an 8-bit version of a Frank Zappa song, I believe. Her whole thing was like she was a vet cat scratch Langford, so she was wearing like this like white denim jacket over her beautiful dress, and the denim jacket <laughs> had like she she meticulously rhinestoned this giant like tiger on the back. And uh, my best man was uh, so my best man Tony Barry, he he's not a wrestling fan, but for me he he did this. So he works. Uh, he works and owns a comic book shop in uh, Dayton, Ohio, uh, called uh, or not Dayton, uh, Yellow Springs, which is just outside of Dayton, called Superfly Comics and Games. And he wears a lot of like leopard print stuff. So you can kind of see where we're going with this. He he had to be Tony Superfly Barry. So he came out to like the Superfly theme, and then a vet's uh, friend Michael Carroll. Uh, so we were we were trying to think like okay if she's going to be cat themed how is how is what he's going to do how is what Michael going to do like going to fit into that right mm-hmm. so we were just like thinking and I'm just thinking back to like Dusty Rhodes commentary because Dusty Rhodes commentary is is just gold and you know, it's just we're thinking of like cat sort of themed, and we just kind of came up with the cat daddy. So we got uh, we got him like a suit jacket, and we actually went to a guy and had it airbrushed with like this giant, like mean looking purple panther on the back, like Jimmy Hart style, and he had like a megaphone that we got airbrushed. It was it was great, and it was it was so good. We had uh you know the the ring bearer. He brought out like like the rings were, uh, we had a little, like, one of the foam Money in the Bank briefcase toys. Mm -hmm. And then we did, like, actual title belts that we've got hung up. Because we were the World Wedding Federation Tag Team Champions. We had, like, a Hall of Fame. It was great. If anybody wants to watch all this, just, like, go to YouTube and type in Matrimania. It's it's fantastic. (laughs) What year was this? This was this was this last year. Yeah. Yeah, I'm so I'm so surprised that like that didn't go viral. That's one of those things that could have been easily picked up on uh, on the Today Show or whatever. Or, and I mean, you could have been featured. That's so, that's so cool. There's still a chance it could still go viral. I mean, it's only it's not even a year old. It could still happen. <laughs> All right. Yeah. I'll uh. Yeah, I'll... Share the share the link. Yeah, I'm gonna like on Twitter. I should do that on our Twitter page. Yeah, and then I'll spread the word. Yeah, because it's it's fantastic. Uh, we had like a ring bell. Our reverend was uh, dressed up like the 1990s like WWF referee, so like the powder blue, like button up shirt, bow tie, whole nine yards. Like we made like we had a Hall of Fame ceremony for the uh, you know the uh, older couples, right? And uh, so we made like little Hall of Fame rings. It was it was a lot of fun. Uh, we even for the wedding cake we had uh, customized like uh, action figures. So we bought like a Randy Savage action figure and got a custom made. I think it was from like Ralph's Figure Clothing or something. It's like a website that specializes in outfits for wrestling action figures. So we got uh, an outfit for the Randy Savage figure that was the you know the the match made in heaven outfit, right? 
Mm-hmm. It was great. I'm just going on about my wedding. You guys should have stopped. Me. <laughs> uh, no, it's co- that's cool. I I, I don't related. think I saw that. I'm I'm oh, just it, it's all wrestling related. We're yeah, good. I'm I'm just a big old cornball what loves my wife. So <laughs> check out eventmakesthings.com. So uh, anyway, let's kind of get into why we're actually here, which is to talk about May of 1995. Hooray! We, we gave away a house, you guys. Yeah, it was awesome. It was, it was such a nice house. It was. The Pompicellis, man, they they lost out. That house came with free bushwhackers. <laughs> a whole... Maybe that's why they sold it. Yeah. Like, yeah. You what immediately? To, like, yeah. You'd have to feed them. <laughs> it was like six months. Was the turnaround on that? I mean, I can't blame them, because they did just move. But at the same time, like, a pool? An indoor pool? Like, I'll pack up and move to Florida. My skills are pretty much universal. I'll deal with gators. Yeah, there's a lot of logistics behind that transaction that still don't make any sense at all to me. But I guess the update with the kid flipping the house, or the family flipping the house immediately, I guess that's probably the easiest way of handling yeah. that situation. So let, let's talk about May of 1995. So let's kind of start with our first kind of initial thoughts. Like, how did we all feel about the WWF at the end of May of 1995? Brian, you're our guest. Why, why don't you go first? It was interesting because I have a handful of magazines from this era. Uh-huh. So I, I haven't ever ever touched WWF 95 programming. So to go in and kind of see how everything is running and see how Doink the Clown was a thing that was taken seriously. I always thought it was more of a joke character, but, you know, here he is fighting Jeff Jarrett, and that's a big deal. Uh, it was interesting. Adam Bomb, a lot of goofy characters, a lot of bizarre, cartoonish angles. And I, that's kind of what I walked in expecting. And I guess I... Wasn't disappointed. Okay. I think that's a that's a pretty good summation of the WWF. Very cartoony. Leah? Yeah, it definitely still had that feel in yeah. this era. Okay. Uh, there's... I mean, like, it's... It's kind of how WWE always is. There's some stuff that's like, this is actually pretty good, and then there's other stuff you're like, why would you do it that way? <laughs> <laughs> so I think they're, they stuck to their formula pretty well throughout the years. <laughs> pretty well, okay. It's, you know, you got it's hit or miss. <laughs> okay. Some stuff was all right. All right. I guess I'm, I'm kind of right there with uh, with you guys as well. Like, it's, there, there is some, there are some things that are, are very just sort of like over the top and cartoony. Like, again, like, Doink the Clown, that's a... His finisher involves a fart noise. I don't know how else to 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 make like make it clear that that is how cartoony we're we're sitting at. Like mm-hmm. like some of you kids are spoiled today, where you're like, look, man, Santino was the top in in comedy wrestling in the WWE, and even that was was pretty silly. And it's like, no, they had an actual birthday clown like farting on people. That was a thing that happened. And then they gave that gimmick to Natalia for a minute. Did they? 
Yeah, she, that was like her thing. Like she was uh, always was that, like farting and stuff. Like, was, what is this? Was that when they were like fat shaming her too? Yeah, it was just a whole mess of terribleness. Yeah. I, I'm glad they they kind of got far far away from all of that garbage. I mean, you say that WrestleMania is like this weekend. There's still mm-hmm. time. Yeah, but at least they're they're sort of. I don't know. I don't even want to say anything. I don't want to jinx it. Yeah, you don't want to jinx it, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you don't want to jinx it. And then right now, Raw is happening. And as soon as you start talking about it, something's going to happen right yeah. now. <laughs> and the internet would explode. Uh, not going to look at it. Yeah. <laughs> like they'll do something really just awful and racist with Asuka or something like that. And we're all going to have to be like, uh, two steps forward, one big step back. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like the whole thing with gender. Good lord. Ugh. Yeah, it was bad. That was not great, everybody. So, let's talk about stuff that, that is not great for different reasons. Let's kind of jump <laughs> into into the first into the first week. So, first week we got... <laughs> the very first note I have is that the raw siren is probably the most annoying sound in wrestling. It is, but I've grown so accustomed to it. Is that weird? No. Like I'm just like I'm. I'm so like it's like it's kind of comforting now. Yeah. It's like oh, Raw is on. <laughs> <laughs> there will be less squash matches here, probably. <laughs> just a few less. <laughs> so we get we get Jerry Lawler trying to get a contract for Bret Hart. You know, again we we watched uh, in your house, which everybody for listening to this. Go back and check out our In Your House episode. Uh, you, it can be all yours for $2.50. And if you're uh, wanting to uh, you know, support the show, that's a great way to do it. And subscribe to us on Podbean because that's how you get the premium content. That's how it shows up in your feed on Podbean is by subscribing. So, so check that out. Uh, but at this point, you know, we're not at In Your House just yet. Jerry Lawler wants to, you know... Well, Bret Hart's already got a match in your house, but Jerry Lawler's going to just interject himself into that. And Bret Hart's kind of okay with it. He's like, yeah, I'll, I'll wrestle Jerry Lawler. That'll be five and minutes. And he's just like, he, Bret's just like, I'll wrestle the world. I don't care. Yeah. Bring it on! <laughs> wrestle ten guys that night. I don't care. I can do it. At this point, has Jerry Lawler been an, a figure in the ring, or is he mostly a commentator? He's mostly a commentator, but he's very antagonistic of of Brett specifically, okay. to the point where, and, and it's not like Jerry's like at at a point in his career where he needs to retire or anything. Like as far as like in ring competition goes. Um, <laughs> oh God, no! Like he yeah. he's still active, I guess. Yeah, from what I understand, and I, I could be wrong. From what I understand. He was doing commentary for the WWF and still doing things with, like, I think maybe Smoky Mountain and also Memphis. Yeah. So he was still doing ring work there, but I could be wrong about that. No, I think that's right. That sounds yeah. about right. Yeah, and he was he was great for... He was a good, like, comic foible for someone like Bret Hart because he was just so talented on the mic. Like, he could carry you know, getting heat against somebody like Brett, who, you know, great wrestler, not always the best on the mic. 
Yeah, Brett's very... He's very serious business. Yeah. Like, he kind of... He comes across very stiff. So it's like you kind of need a balance like King, who's just, like, a total goofball. Yeah, over the top. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like him or, like, Bob Backlund. Like, one of those guys that is just like, what? what is wrong with this person? Which also, hashtag Backlund for president. Oh, my God, I love that segment. I can't wait until we talk about that. He's just a grumpy old man. He's insane. I love it. <laughs> so... We get uh, we get the first match on Raw. We get uh, the Allied Powers versus George Anderson and Ron Hagen. And Leith, you're our our resident jobber expert. Are these guys anybody yep, famous? Yeah, no, they're jobbers. They're jobbers. They're just they're jobbers. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I do try to look everyone up, and I'm like, yeah, I'm not getting anything. Yeah, they're just they're just jobbers. I haven't noted here Hagen's outfit is multicolored zebra stripes, so he just looked like a piece of fruit stripe gum in the ring. Nice. <laughs> yeah, my note for Hagen is uh, he's wearing something that a wrestler on Saturday Night Live would wear. Yeah. So it's like a campy, uh, what would you say, like the most stereotypical wrestler outfit you could potentially put together. Yeah, it's very, it's very, this is what a wrestler looks like. <laughs> so we get, uh, we get Bob Holly versus Jeff Jarrett in a rematch. Nothing really, nothing really happens there except for we get some talk of the one, two, three kid with another neck injury. Uh, I haven't noted here that Lex Luger's boots have little flexing American dudes on them. Yes, <laughs> which is fantastic. He's just that like, was his uh, Lex Express logo. Yeah, it's just it's like a big muscular dude. I'm, I think it's like the same muscular dude they used for the OVW logo. Just like a big muscular torso flexing, but it's like the American flag. It was it was great. Uh, Jerry Lawler has given us background info on these jobbers, so Leith, you might you might have some competition. Oh man. Yeah, Jerry Lawler was telling us that Anderson has a degree in fire science, and that's important for some reason. Cool. Yeah, uh, Jeff Jarrett is stripped of the Intercontinental Title, and Bob Holly would be filling in for the one, two, three kid. And we get some highlights sort of of Jarrett and Holly on, I think, uh, the action zone. Yeah, the action zone yeah. flashback. Yeah, flashback. And Jarrett cheats to win. And so Jack Tunney's like, nope, uh-uh, not, not on my program. He orders a rematch, and the title is to be decided on the action zone. That's kind of a big deal to have a title decided on what's ultimately sort of like Sunday Night Heat, like sort of a, a kind of like second tier or even third tier show. Any thoughts? I had no idea what the action zone was. That's yeah. uh, what, like an early yeah, morning, like, Saturday morning thing? Yeah, it was it like a... like like the Discovery Zone, like a place you go to to like ride on slides and stuff. But action! <laughs> action slides! <laughs> Like regular you have to like dodge wrestlers yeah. as you go down the slides, <laughs> and just don't like don't go to the extreme zone. That's like barbed wire wrapped <laughs> slides. I mean, it's no fun for anybody. <laughs> like swings with just like you know baseball bats. It would be awful. So, yeah, Action Zone was very much like a it was a it was a late Saturday night program, and it was sort of kind of like heat. Like it was just it's like yeah, here's this thing. But it's not necessarily necessary to like the core programming. Okay. 
Because they could, they would talk about it like on Raw. So it's like, did you really need to watch Heat or Action Zone? No, not really. And I mean, until they get it up on the network, we can't really watch it anyway. Right. I mean, we're already surfing the high seas of the internet to get to get WCW Saturday Night, and that's on the network now, but not what we're actually watching yet. So fingers crossed that gets changed soon. Because <laughs> we need some we need some better video quality of these squash matches. Of course. Yeah. We get uh, again. This was one of those episodes in length. I talked about this uh, last time we recorded. Uh, we get Jerry and Vince added in post production. Right. Did Did you notice yeah, that did, this time? Yeah, I did notice it this time. Did you notice that, Brian? What do you mean? So they're like, f- fighting with each other? Yeah, they're like, uh, Vince and Jerry, there are these shots on some of these episodes of Raw, and this, like, first week in May is a really good example, where they might be there live for the intro, but then towards the end of the show, they're sort of added in post-production, sort of like yeah, yeah, against yeah. A, a blue screen. Uh, we get Bob Holly versus Butler Stevens, and I just haven't noted that uh, Butler Stevens is wearing a hefty garbage bag. Nice. Yeah. Jobbers, I, I no, guess. Just, I have like no notes. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, Bob Holly won. Whatever. Yeah, none of these, <laughs> none of these are are notable jobbers. No, so far not. These are not anyone your, of interest. Yeah, these are not your Hardy Boys or your or your Scotty Two Hotties. These are these are like your Hollywood Bobby Stars. Mm-hmm. Although I will say, Bob Holly has a pretty amazing mullet, and this would be the second match in a row. We had a glorious mullet on display. Oh, I mean, if you like mullets, this this year is just like a mullet buffet. Like you're <laughs> not gonna go thirsty for mullets. This is this is it. This is peak mulletude. We have reached the top of mullet mountain. Uh, we get we get a promo for in your house that has rap music because everything in the '90s is rap. There's a desk that looks like a little ring with a turnbuckle that Todd Pettengill is at. And I just haven't noted here that Pettengill is wearing, like, the most ill-fitting suit he could find. Not a... He seems to be good with that. Yeah. It's like, just make him look as nerdy as possible. You know, I've... And as, like, totally out of place as you can get him. <laughs> if, if you ever needed to make a case that, like, this is why men shouldn't be allowed to dress yourself, look no further than any given Todd Pettengill WWF promo. Like, yeah, he's like from hair to to shoes and everything. He's yeah. just a mess. Yep. <laughs> yes, yeah, it, it, Todd Pettingill. It makes me wonder when he leaves the picture and when Michael Cole comes in because him during uh, Cole during the Attitude Era is pretty much playing the exact same type of nerdy character. So I kind of wonder if they ever uh, brush up against each other. Ooh, that would be interesting. Pettingill versus Cole. Two men enter, one man leave. Give us that match, WWE. No, please don't. <laughs> I, I mean, maybe. Like, just a, a quick vignette on, like, YouTube. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, they probably still got space to fill on the WrestleMania pre-show. <laughs> Make it happen. Uh, so, we get, uh, you know, he's talking about In Your House, about what's going to happen. We get, uh, you know, they plug Razor Ramon versus Jeff Jarrett and the roadie in a handicap match. And he's got to take them on all by himself. Because one, two, three, kid done got injured. Uh, 
and Jarrett and Rhodey are responsible for the kids' injuries. And we get Diesel versus Sid for the WWF Championship. Uh, we get Bret Hart versus Hakushi at In Your House. We get a preview of Raw next week. We then get my favorite, Mantar versus Sonny Rogers. I apparently decided to change Sonny Rogers' name to Jimmy at some <laughs> point. And I have it like crossed out like everywhere and just like, no, Sonny, it's Sonny. Like, I have no idea where I got Jimmy from. Yeah. Mantar is half man, half beast, all potato. Yes. Hey, uh, Sonny did get in a roll-up, though. So it wasn't like a full <laughs> squash. He tried. He tried. <laughs> he tried. And, I mean, if you can get a roll-up on Mantar, who, by God, he weebles, he wobbles, he won't fall down. Like, that's that's pretty impressive if you can get a roll-up on Mantar. I think Mantar's an interesting character. He's a uh, wrestle clap, wrestle crap classic, and he's a figure that I've seen, I guess, throughout the years in the same two or three photos from the old internet. There's a photo of him eating that barbecue piece of rib. That's always the first thing you see when you look up Mantar. So to actually see a real match for him and to see Jim Cornette there as his manager made me wonder, was this the WWF answer to Big Van Vader? Was this their version of that, which, as when Vader comes over, Jim Cornette's there right next to him. So yep. I wonder if that was just their answer to it. I mean, it's it's certainly possible, but it's wow! I never even thought of it like that. Now my mind is like blown because like <laughs> they're both real big dudes. Mm-hmm, the baby bull. I mean, yeah. that's Vader's character. That's yeah. what they refer to him at, as in Japan. So you have this big bald. A uh, brute. Yeah. But Mantar is not as menacing. He is almost goofy and this does not have the ability to actually wrestle a match. He just kind of stumbles around. Yeah. And they both yeah, would come out. I think it was out. between like the the name Mantar and then him wearing like the the dancer's leotard was just kind of like they they missed the mark by quite a lot. <laughs> They they really kind of did, didn't they? But like, <laughs> yeah. like they would both come out with like headgear, mm-hmm. with horns. I mean, wow, my mind is going. They all had, they all had the exact similar headpieces on the way to the ring. So yeah. there's something there. Yeah, I mean, we've never seen them both in the same place. I mean, let's let's get the conspiracy board out, get the sh- <laughs> the the strings and start connecting those dots. So, Mantar is great. Uh, we then get... Let's see, we get... Uh, I'm trying to look over my notes here. I haven't noted here... Man Mountain Rock. Yeah, Man Mountain Rock. <laughs> Woo! For some reason, I have Mantar and Jake Roberts like noted together, and I think my thinking at the time was like, you could have teamed up Man- Mantar and Jake Roberts for some sort of like Greek-themed stable. Like, you have the Minotaur... <laughs> You have, you know, basically Medusa kind of with the snakes. You know, you could have there could have been it, something there. I feel like you're pushing it a little. Yeah, bit. I'm probably I'm reaching. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, but you're right, Leith. We get Man Mountain Rock. Woo. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's the same like promo with him getting interrogated by uh, Nick Tatoro. Tatur- yeah, and then he plays his guitar. And then puts Totoro through a table. Because if it's like, too no, loud, I can, 
What? Uh, if it's too loud, you're too old, man. <laughs> it's just such a... Weird. I don't know. It's like so generic, like, I can be a rock star and a wrestler. Wow, wow. Guitar and the whole thing was a segment for the new WWF, or the WWF New Generation, right? Yeah. That's a new slogan they're going to go with. That's the new generation, the new wave of wrestlers. This is a guy that had been in WCW as Max Payne for several years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And as you can uh, probably heard before, he went on and got some money from Rockstar because he claims that they stole his name for their video game, Max Payne, and he got a settlement. Yeah. So good for him. Yeah. Good good on him. And he could actually play guitar. I'm actually surprised to see that. Yeah, that was actually... Usually they they try to... If somebody has, like, a secondary talent, they kind of try to use that at some point. So it's like I'm... Usually, if somebody can play guitar, they'll that'll be part of their gimmick. It seems. Yeah, that's and that was the thing I was actually wondering because uh, we were watching, you know, one of the episodes, you know, and we'll get to it where Man Mountain Rock is on and he's got the super cool WWF guitar. <laughs> yes. I mean, look, that is that thing is awesome. But we're sitting there watching it, and uh, I don't know, maybe maybe. Uh, I can't remember if Leith, if we were talking about it on In Your House, or if my wife were watching, my wife and I were watching it. But we were wondering, like, is he really playing? Because I mean, like, like Brian said, he could really play. But like, were they piping it in during those segments, or was he actually playing? That I couldn't be a hundred percent sure of. I know, like, with um, like Jeff Jarrett, when they had him singing, it was actually the roadie singing. Yeah. But it was really him singing. Yeah. For him, you know, so it's like I would imagine they had him play unless they like were too concerned with it not working out. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's interesting. That would be an interesting piece of trivia. I couldn't. I looked at some things like Wrestling Observers and everything, and couldn't find anything about if he was actually like playing during those. I would say ninety percent certain that he was playing because I vaguely remember him as Max Payne doing similar things. Hmm. Well, that's that's interesting. That's awesome. Good on good on you, man, Mountain Rock. Also, somebody needs to find out what happened to that guitar. Yeah, I would imagine that would have sold somewhere pretty yeah. well. That belongs in a museum. That somebody's got to have it. Yeah. <laughs> so we got uh, with the next thing we get is we get Psycho Sid versus Razor Ramon, and even though everybody's referring to him like on commentary and everything as Psycho Sid. He's still just billed as Sid on the nameplate. Right. We get, uh, you know, Sid comes out first, then Razor. Razor comes out, and there's the pyro. And Sid, he's a total madman. He jumps through the pyro and just straight up tries to kill Razor Ramon. Yeah. Yeah. That happened. (laughs) But but no fear. We get the wrestling lifeguard Diesel to the rescue. Always saving the day. Always like saving his, the day. He just always happens to be around when these things take place, so he can come out and rescue people. Mm-hmm. We get. Uh, you're right. Like that. Well, like I feel like they just kind of struggled to with his identity as a face. So they figured like the best way to get him over as a face, put some people in danger, have him rescue him. Right. It kind of has that, like, superhero thing. Yeah. So that match is declared a no contest. 
uh, you know, maybe Sid lost some of that uh, that ramen hair. And we get next match. We get Adam Bomb versus Dave Siegfried. And Adam Bomb is great, you guys. And this is yeah. I, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead, Liv. I was just, I was just going to agree. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a fan of Adam Bomb. I I still hate the gimmick and the name. But I actually like the wrestler. <laughs> and this, so what is the gimmick? He got his powers through a nuclear warhead? Is that what it is? That he actually is a man radi- with r- radiation through his body? I, I just imagine that he's a Fallout enthusiast. Like he's just a walking billboard for Bethesda. <laughs> he's sponsored I, I, by Nuka-Cola. I was a big fan of his green contacts and the little footballs he threw out to the audience. Which Yeah, those are cool. <laughs> yeah. Which by the way, this is how dangerous that wrestling for sale Instagram is. They have one of those for ninety dollars. Perfect. Sign me up. Uh, <laughs> I want it so bad. Cause those those little footballs are uh, great. Okay, so I have that he was hold on. Okay. Oh, it just disappeared. Hold on, hold on, hold on. While Leah's looking at that everybody let me tell you, this this atom bomb football is great. It's a little Nerf yellow and red football, and on the yellow side in red text, it's got Adam Bomb's Bomb Squad, and it's just it's so great. We need more wrestlers who throw out Nerf footballs. Okay, so Adam Bomb was a survivor of the Three Mile Island nuclear meltdown accident. Oh. <laughs> yep. Okay. That's. That's pretty great. So that that's his that's his background story, and I guess he was uh, initially with Johnny Polo, and then they replaced him with Harvey Whippleman, and that's about mm. it. And then they're just like uh, Mid Carter. <laughs> that's it, Mid Carter. Yep. That's so <laughs> he would, that would mean that he would have been like a baby in that incident, right? Because that was the seventies. And he's kind of, you know, he's probably in his mid to late 20s there. So, yeah, I guess that all checks out. That could be right. I just, I, I love how Leith said mid-Carter because it's just, I'm just sitting here thinking to myself, like, oh, it's the wrestling sorting hat. <laughs> Mid-Carter! Main eventer! <laughs> Tag team! I mean, they, they try at first. I think that you get to go so far and yeah. then you have the sorting hat tell you. If you're going to continue on to to main event or not. So everybody who's doing the math at home, Three Mile Island took place in took place in '79, and Brian Clark was born in '64. So, All right. Okay. So he's a teenage. Oh wow. Okay. So yeah. You know what? The math checks out. I believe yeah. the story is 100% legit. Absolutely. Wrestling is the greatest thing to happen to the world. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's so that's so amazing. So we get Adam Bomb versus Dave Siegfried, and was Dave Siegfried anyone special? Nope. Nope. Uh, we, I mean, maybe to his mom. Yeah. Oh. Oh. I will say that uh, Siegfried, out of the whole bunch of jobbers on tonight's show, he probably is the best looking of the group. That's fair. <laughs> and I, I don't mean that uh, as you know, handsome wise. I mean. He actually looks like he could be a threat when it comes nah. to everyone else. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's not a WCW jobber, and that's that's saying something. 
so we get you know the whole the whole time during the the atom bomb dave siegfried match who's gonna stop sid what's going on there who he is a madman he has to be stopped get the dogs we need to we need to do something to stop this this crazy man. Uh, we also get a tease of Hunter Hearst Helmsley doing his best Lord Stephen Regal impression, mm-hmm. which is I mean pretty on point. Yes. <laughs> yeah. uh, we get Men on a Mission and Mabel's rapping. Uh, Men on a Mission versus Kevin Kruger and Bill Duke. Yeah, I got nothing. Yeah. There's not a lot of not a lot of intriguing jobbers this time. This is this is interesting though because during this match Vince talks about DQing men on a mission because Mo withdraws from a pin, mm. which I thought was really interesting because we see like you know Chikara actually has rules like that, uh, so I thought that was kind of interesting that they kind of tease something like that. Right. Uh, we get a lot of going back and forth between Vince and Jerry being added in post and being live during this episode. We get Brett. Brett's like, you know, the the question is, did Brett sign a match against Takushi to avoid Jerry Lawler? Is he ducking Jerry? You know, Brett comes out, calls Jerry a liar, liar, and accepts his match. He's going to have two matches in your house, everybody. Two whole matches. That's just the kind of guy Brett is. Yeah. Wrestle the world. Yeah. I love how Lawler is super nervous, the idea of Bret Hart showing up, but at the same time, throughout the entire hour, they kept promoting the fact that, yes, Bret Hart will be showing up at the end of this episode. <laughs> yeah. So he acts uh, nervous and surprised that, oh, man, he's here. I, I think it would be fair to say that it almost gave Lawler a heart attack. Boo! Uh, 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 I'm here uh, all week, folks. Good, good, good job. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, there was enough of a pause there, I might actually add crickets. That's probably accurate. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, we get we go on to week two. We got Lawler versus Hart. Uh, this has been building for two years since 1993. We get sort of like a tale of the tape. Jeff Jarrett, that dastardly country music singer, done won the Intercontinental Championship back. And, Leith, I'm sure you were all over this because Jarrett's doing all his cheating heel stuff. Love it. Yeah. Uh, We get Jarrett, again, you know, I have it noted here that his outfits are notably more colorful than WCW. And Jarrett versus Doink was actually not terrible for this being a strictly comedy match. Yeah, these matches are hard for me to watch, (laughs) as I am still terrified of clowns. I've tried to get used to Doink just by, like, watching too much Doink stuff, but... It's still it's still hard to watch. Yeah, I mean he's got that little piranha dink running around biting people's tushes. Mm, yes. That happens. Yeah, I was actually a little bit surprised too to see that they had a competitive match that went past the commercial break. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's weird how they use Doink. Like I've, it it's kind of like it's comedy sometimes. He's heel sometimes. He's face sometimes. He's just like a regular wrestling persona but then he's still like horrifying birthday clown <laughs> it's it's almost <laughs> i i would argue that it's almost more difficult to wrestle a comedy match than a regular match i, I would think that would be much more challenging 
I guess it depends on the the person. Like I think yeah. some people it just it comes more naturally to them. Like like Cole Cabana could probably it'd probably be a lot easier for him to do a full comedy match than you know a more standard basic match. Yeah. Okay. Because it's just he's just a funny person. Like it's kind. Of, yeah. I don't know. Like I could imagine him not being funny in the ring. Colt Cabana, time to get serious. <laughs> oh, that'd be so weird. <laughs> uh, we get, uh, during that match, the roadie helps uh, set Jared up for the figure four. And then, you know, we that match ends. We get a promo for the body Donnas, Skip and Sonny. And there's, like, a knockoff Sony TV that they call Zony. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the Z. Like, yeah, I, I have a genuine Zony TV, and I, I watch it when I'm not too busy looking at my genuine Folex watch. So we get uh, we get Skip and Sonny, and then we get Bam Bam Bigelow, again, in a pretty emotional promo. Talking about, you know, Brian, you touched on this, the new generation. It's all about having a good time and rock and roll and not pushing LT. And Bigelow's like, you know what? I gotta make things right. I'm gonna fight IRS next week. Yeah, he's a very humble and very weird interview where he's saying that you know he put his up his best attempt against Lawrence Taylor and he lost. You know, the better man won, and he has this really thick New Jersey accent, and it's kind of weird to see him like peel back a layer and try to get into the head of Bam Bam Bigelow, who this guy really is. So it looks like they're desperately trying to push him and make him a thing after his loss to a football player. Yeah. And, I mean, he does a pretty good job of putting LT over as as being, like, a world-class athlete and, you know, and, and trying to, like, also put himself, like, ingratiate himself to the fans and being like, you know, I'm sorry. And, and they're really trying to go for that swerve. Uh, we get... We get a vignette of Sid versus Diesel. Sid talks about how he's the ruler of the world. We get a Sid interview, and I have it noted here that I don't like DiBiase in just a plain suit. That's a random thought. <laughs> I just feel like he needs he needs the million dollar suit. With the yeah, but at that point, that's it. That's pretty much what you'll see DiBiase. Yeah, I think. Forward entirety to WWF and WCW. This is what he'll be wearing, just regular suits. Yeah. Which, how do you bring him over to WCW as part of the NWO and not put him in, like, an NWO version of that suit where he's got, like, you know, the big lapel, but instead of, like, dollar signs, it's like a vertical, shiny NWO logo? That would have been perfect. WCW just missing the boat on that. But we, we we get some backstory on Sid coming to the WWF this time. DiBiase is the one who suggested that Michaels needed a bodyguard, and DiBiase. Yeah, it's basically like like DiBiase is kind of just like, yeah, it was me the whole time. Yeah, like I got I got this. Like it's the it's the it was me, Austin. He, yeah, yeah. It's like he was always working for me. Like, what are you guys talking about? Yeah. <laughs> and he calls him the crowning jewel of the million dollar corporation. Uh, we get, uh, you know, we see Diesel. Diesel's pretty over. Uh, he, you know, talking about uh, Sid's going to put him, put Diesel in a rest home. 
Sid talks about how like he is the super predator. <laughs> yeah, that was. I just have a like. Like Sid tells a story about an African lion for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> I am 100% with Sid Vicious promos. I love this guy. I This is my favorite. These are always my favorite parts of wrestling. Yeah. He's yeah. just rambling. He's screaming nonsense, screaming about, yeah, this predator. This, he's a super predator, and he's the, the greatest lion of all time. It's... And he's going to lift these old 10 feet in the air. Driven all the way through the match. <laughs> just like, Lord, dude. Brian, like just, Brian has a solid Sid impression. <laughs> and my favorite thing about him is that he'll start screaming three or four words at a time, and they get real quiet. <laughs> and then he'll start screaming again. We'll whisper the next part. <laughs> he's, he's crazy. And, and if you really just listen, if you just actually write out and transcribe his uh, promos, they make no sense. It is fantastic. He is the it's, ultimate warrior for the 90s. Yeah, yeah, it's very, they're very ultimate warrior-esque. Yeah. Uh, they could have just dubbed Sid's promos over Renegade, and they probably, like WCW probably could have gotten Renegade more over. <laughs> so uh, we, get, uh, we get Hakushi versus Gary Scott. This is another nobody, right? Uh, yeah. Yes. Yes. Please. Nobody. <laughs> we get uh, Hakushi and Sinja. We talk about how they're in Calgary, Brett's hometown. Hakushi wins with just a springboard splash. Diesel's got a message for Sid. I have it noted here that Diesel's voice is much different than just, like, Kevin Nash. Like, there's a very... It? Yeah, it's very... I don't know, it's... Gritty. Yeah, it's grittier than just Kevin mm. Nash. It, it's, it's him trying to, you know, be a wrestler, and he's kind of throwing his voice out. He's projecting a little bit more, and it's got that grittiness. He's just kind of puking on the mic, just trying to get it all out and be, you know, a wrestler guy. And it, it does sound goofy, considering that, like, I've known Nash as Nash for majority of his career. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's different. Uh, I think, Leith, when we get into Nitro... And we get into like Kevin Nash on commentary. Mm-hmm. You, you'll notice a difference. Uh, we get, uh, w- you know, we're talking about in your house still. Nobody's ever seen the roadie wrestle. What's that gonna look like? Why does a white guy need dreads? Who knows? Uh, we get, uh, we talk about there's gonna be Owen Hart versus Yokozuna for uh, versus the Smoking Guns in a rematch. Uh, again, mm-hmm. this is all like an in-your-house sort of like pay-per-view control center promo. Uh, we get, uh, you know, talking about Mabel versus our favorite, Adam Bomb, King of the Ring qualifying match. Pettengill was in the house. Him and uh, him and the girl, Stephanie, I believe. No, that's not no. right. No? Is that, it not that does not sound right. No. Is, that, is that not her name? No, I don't know what her name yeah. is. I totally blanked. I'm like, it's not Stephanie. It, it is know. Stephanie. That's it is not. Yeah, that's what I have it noted here as. No. Yes. <laughs> okay, well, I'm going over these notes. Stephanie, <laughs> is it Weand? W-I-A-N-D. Yeah. That's it. Brian Most notable win. for giving away a house on a pay-per-view. Yep. Did they call her Stephanie or did they call her Steph? Maybe I think that's they called her Stephanie. So weird. Why do yeah. I not remember this? 
Pettengill's. I'm gonna call her like Cindy. Yeah. I don't know. I'm just gonna rename her. <laughs> That's <laughs> okay. You're Cindy it doesn't now. matter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I guess during this promo, I thought that that was supposed to be Todd's wife. Yeah. They they kind of look like they could be married. They have they have like this very manic sort of like home alone mom and dad sort of like kind of connection. <laughs> I don't know how to explain it. I just assumed that the promo, the way they were setting it up, is that here's this house. Look how great it is, and she's going through and thinking, "This is fantastic. Look at these. Uh, look at the kitchen. Look at all these drawers." And then the swerve is, "Yeah, we're going to give it away," and she'll be upset because she thought that Todd bought her the house. Yeah, and Todd's like getting up on all the counters. And just I have it noted here: Does Todd Pettengill come with the house? Because who doesn't want their very own Todd Pettengill? And that's okay, because now we're just going to call her Cindy now, right? Yep. Yeah, her name's Cindy. Todd's wife. Yeah, Todd's wife, Cindy. (laughs) We're writing a whole new life for him. (laughs) Uh, We get Owen Hart versus Bart Gunn. I do do have a note on here, because this is is something that they, they used to do, but now they don't seem to do it as much, is they would have people that would be involved in a major pay-per-view match in a, a match of sorts, but it wouldn't be the exact match you would see yeah. at the pay-per-view. So sort of like it being a tease. Oh, right, so you have Owen Hart versus Bart Gunn, but it's not the tag match. Yeah. But now it's like they just do the same match every week, yeah. and then it's the same match at the pay-per-view, and it's like that's not really like building to anything anymore. Yeah. Like, like tease. We've already seen it, so... Bring back, bring back Teddy Long and book a hundred tag team matches. <laughs> it's just like change it up a little bit. Like yeah. it doesn't have to be the exact same match that we're going to see at the pay per view that month. Like that's just silly. Yeah, uh, we get uh, you know, again Vince and Jerry are added in post towards the end. You can sort of see the green screen reflection against like Vince's jacket. And Jerry talks about how his mom's going to be at the event. Because it's Mother's Day, everybody. It's it's Mother's Day. Aye. And, and Jerry's mom is going to be at the event. And isn't that sweet? Yeah. So yeah. We're, so we're going to take a couple minutes just to talk about In Your House. Do, do we have any thoughts on In Your House? I mean, kind of aside from us riffing on it. Um, I'm, I'm looking at my notes here, and I think it was a very watchable show. I don't think there was anything in particular that stands out as being completely awful, with the exception of, you know, Lawler's mother. <laughs> that was weird. Yeah, I was, was creepy. I was completely <laughs> surprised that the uh, guy who won the house actually picked up the phone when they called him. Yeah, and you could hear him scream. <laughs> like for for live television, that's a yeah. pretty cool moment. That's a that's a great moment. It was such a great great deal. Uh, Leith, any any thoughts on it in your house, real quick? I mean, we are kind of I think going to take a couple minutes to go into detail about it, but any any thoughts right off the bat? No, I didn't really have anything for for in your house. I was kind of kind of you know watch the riff episode. Yeah, or listen to it. Listen yeah. and watch. Watch watch the show in while your house listening. While listening to the podcast. Okay. <laughs> Do that exact thing. <laughs> but with better English in your ears cuz I forgot how to talk. <laughs> That's okay. I I had like some technical difficulties at the end of that, but we made it through that. 
Uh, so I guess my thoughts are, it was, it was a pretty good, you know, like like Brian mentioned, it's a it's a pretty solid pay per view. I mean, especially for only fifteen bucks. Uh, I guess my next question is, did we think that this was a better event than Slambery? I mean, no. If we, if we had to pick. Brian's, Brian's on, on no in his completely unbiased WCW opinion. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Leith, where are you sitting you on know, that? I don't know. I don't know. I feel like in my, in my mind they're about equal. Okay. Um, they're both kind of. I mean, they're fine. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, they're, they're, it is. They're both mediocre in my estimate. I guess you would okay. say. All right. Well, let me let me phrase it this way. You're a kid. It's 1995. You're a diehard wrestling fan. You only get one pay per view a month. Which pay per view you asking mom and dad for? <laughs> Well, if it was me at that time, I probably would have had my like little postcard in to win the house, so I would have okay. been watching in your house. Okay. <laughs> at least to to see if we we won. Okay. You know. Ninety five. If that would have been, it would have been the Diesel and Sid versus the. Oh wow, Savage, Hogan, and some newcomer called Renegade versus. The team of Arn Anderson, Flair, and Vader. I mean, that to me, I like I would have been losing my mind. Like to me it would be Hogan and Savage all the way. Okay. Monster Maniacs. Monster Maniacs for life. Alright. I think if if it was me I would probably have to go with in your house. Because there's there's so much at stake. There are titles on the line at In Your House. You know, we got a lot going on. And you're right. I mean, the promise of winning a house. Like, mom, yeah, there's no way I wouldn't have entered that. Like, Mom, Dad, like, I got I my postcard in. You know, <laughs> let's let's win us a house. Let's get out of let's get out of Ohio because even at like uh, seven, Ohio is awful. <laughs> I want to go to this mystical land called Florida. You get to live near like Minnie Mouse and and Donald Duck. Yeah. Disney like, World what kid amazing. wouldn't want that? Yeah, that'd be that'd be, that'd be so great. So I, I just have a couple notes here about in your house. We get Doc Hendricks on commentary. He's trying to be a heel commentator. Uh, you know, we get Brett twisting his knee getting out of the ring, allegedly. Uh, Lunder Blaze on the hotline. We get the armored car carrying the entries for the for the house contest. They say they have over three hundred forty thousand entries. Uh, we get Razor Ramon versus Jeff Jarrett in the roadie, and the one two three kid is on the phone. And I mean, I think we even talked about this on the on the riff episode, Leah. You can't understand anything the one two three kid is saying <laughs> yeah. at all. Uh, this no, is, it's it's terrible. Yeah, it's like why they even bother? <laughs> uh, they they talk about Mama Ramon on commentary, and there's uh, this is the first handicap match on a WWF pay per view. This is what this has the distinction of. We get the roadies amazing dancing. Savio Vega making his debut. Really cool King of the Ring promo that's all like medieval times and jousting and, and horses and knights. Uh, 
Lawler wants his match, and he's arguing with Jack Tunney. We get Psycho Sid in a promo. We get Barry Dedinsky. This is the first we get to see of Barry Dedinsky in, in 1995, and we're going to get a lot of them. Uh, Barry Dedinsky selling a Bret Hart all-over t-shirt. It can be yours. One size fits most. <laughs> it could be yours nowadays for $150. Yeah. <laughs> we get uh, we get Mabel versus Adam Bomb in what was basically a squash match. Yeah, that was so disappointing. Adam Bomb deserves better. He does. Uh, he could have had like a, at least a little bit of a proper match. He deserved a solid mid-card push. Would have been I, nice. I will say it is kind of impressive to see... I guess, what was the finish? Uh, Mabel hits a counter, catches Adam Bomb as he attempts a crossbody. I think that was impressive to just see him catch him in midair, did not move, and just falls straight down with a splash. We get some pretty impressive Mabel moves. Uh, I think we had last month he won a match with a spin wheel kick, which is just frightening to think about. Uh, we get uh, We get, you know... The Smoking Guns versus Leith's favorite, Yokozuna, in Owen Hart. Mm, yes. Yeah. Poor Yoko. And this is, again, there's something important about this pay-per-view. This is the first WWF pay-per-view where Owen is a champion and Brett isn't. Uh, Doc Hendricks talks about crediting Owen Hart with originating the sharpshooter. Diesel's all upset because he's without his mom. And we get Jerry Lawler and his mom. Mhm. That's everybody's out there being like that ain't his mom. Keep K yeah. keep kayfabe alive. That is his mom, man. So he just pulled up a random model just yep. out of nowhere. I'll be nice model, I guess. They try to insinuate there's something else happening there. I don't feel comfortable really dissecting it, but that's I don't understand the joke. Like because she's young and. She's wearing like a tight dress and she has giant implants. Is that kind of like the, the, the? Yeah, rib? I think I, I think that's the joke that this is, one hundred percent no way his actual mom, but what the heck we're gonna call this his mom. Yeah. yeah okay. Uh, so a typical like weird Lawler shtick. Yeah. Uh, Brett's leg is a hundred percent. We get a swerve, but you know through the course of the match. Hakushi and Shinja both try to interfere and are successful. Lawler wins. Uh, you know we're gonna we're gonna call and you know the Pompicellis are gonna win a house. But Todd misdials the number. He needed a rake to like shake up the entries and he misdials the number. We get Sid versus Diesel. Uh, you know. They talk about during this match that the Million Dollar Man is obsessed with the WWF title because he never really captured it as a competitor. And I feel like this is kind of, again, one of those like really disappointing missed opportunities with the Million Dollar Man. Because through this whole course, I mean, Leith, you know, through, through watching this, I mean, there's never really any... Like, the Million Dollar Man isn't necessarily a super credible threat with the Million Dollar Corporation because they can't catch a break for being a heel stable. Mm-hmm. So it, it's kind of disappointing because it's like it, they would be much more credible as a threat if Sid could capture the title. Suddenly, the Million Dollar Man's got everything he wants. Uh, you know, we get some really good early offense with Diesel. 
and uh, Ted DiBiase puts a bounty on Diesel, and we get uh, we get a DQ finish for this match, and Bam Bam Bigelow returning the favor, saving Diesel, and we close out in your house one with aliens not destroying the world because wrestling. Yep, that was my favorite part. <laughs> <laughs> the best part of pay per view. <laughs> yeah. WWF saved the world. Yeah, see, that seems to be a weird place for that advert. Maybe you run that in the middle of the show, not after a DQ finish of Sid versus Diesel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's a very weird promo. But speaking of weird promos, Raw next week, Raw the following night is not any better because Erwin R. Scheister is talking about putting a lean against Bam Bam's tattoos. I don't know how that works. And I, having tattoos myself, I, I don't want the IRS to come say, we're going to confiscate your tattoos. <laughs> you know, he actually sounds a little bit like Sting. Yeah. His voice. I, I thought that was interesting. And yeah, he'll put a lean on his tattoos and it's going to be the final payment for the million dollar corporation. The final. You know, tax puns. Yeah, tax puns. <laughs> Uh, and this is all appropriate because it's April, right now. That yes, that we're talking, not the month that we're talking about. Yeah, that always confuses me. Yeah. <laughs> so we get, uh, you know, throughout like this whole month, we've been we've been getting some teases of Bob uh, Bob Backlund making a special announcement, and we kind of spoiled that he's going to be announcing that he's going to be running for president. But first, we get man, I'm getting spoiled on Mantar. We get a King of the Ring qualifying match with Bob Sparkplug Holly and Mantar. We get uh, Yokozuna versus uh, Yokozuna and Owen Hart versus Nick Barber and Bill Weaver. Again, is that anybody special, Leith? Nope. Nope. <laughs> like I said, it's been, it's been a rough week for jobbers, just being jobbers. It's it's not a jobber friendly week, jobber friendly month, I suppose. Uh, yes, yes. But the cool, so, uh, sorry, go ahead. So Yokozuna and Owen Hart, they're referring to them as the was it the Allied Powers? No, the Allied Powers is Lex Luger, Luger and okay. Bulldog. Okay. See, I, I I assumed that they were starting to build up Owen and Yokozuna <laughs> as just what would eventually be them versus uh, Bulldog and Luger. I guess yeah. that's where it's naturally going. But in this match, you could kind of see Yokozuna is having some issues getting around. He is yeah. not exactly yeah. the best uh, in the best shape, and Owen is doing the majority of the legwork there. Mm-hmm. Right. I think that's why they had him in the tag position in the first place. Like when he came back, because he's already like way heavier than he was, and and obviously not in ring shape at all. Yeah. Um. So I feel like they they kind of put him with Owen for that reason because I mean people loved Yoko but he obviously can't go at this point. So that makes me wonder if they actually will end up taking on Luger and Bulldog. That means Owen Hart has to carry all three men to an amazing tag team match, and I don't think he's that good of a miracle worker. I mean, I think we're probably going to be surprised when we finally get to it. <laughs> I can't I can't imagine that it's that bad. I would hope. Right. I, I would hope. I don't uh, know. <laughs> but, it, it's, know, it's tough. It's tough. Yeah. It, and it, it is when you're talking about carrying potentially three people. 
but, you know, some of the highlights of this episode of Raw is we get King's Royal Magistrator. Basically a sort of uh, John Madden light pen kind of thing that he's using to, like, draw on, you know, on the screen. Which is really fun. I wish we got more of that. <laughs> we get uh, we get the rock star, Man Mountain Rock, and his awesome WWF guitar, some in-your-house highlights. Uh, we get some promos for a Sid Diesel shirt, and again, the Bret Hart all-over shirt. I have it noted here that, uh, you know, we get the Mantar versus Holly match. We get, uh, Mantar is actually straight up mooing in matches. <laughs> uh, he's, a uh, yeah, that makes sense. He's straight up mooing, and I can't, I can't fault him for that. That's so great. <laughs> so is he a weird, like, animal-human hybrid, or what? He's, I think he's supposed to be, like, a, like an actual, like, Manatar... Half half man, like, half beast, min- all potato. Yeah, like he's like a minotaur, but not. He's mantar. Mantar. So more man than minotaur? Slightly? Something like that? <laughs> I mean, enough to where he moves. Yeah. Uh, like, Holly, Holly actually beats mantar, though. He does. We get uh, we get Michaels versus King Kong Bundy the following week, and they're teasing that. And Bob Backlund's finally announcing his uh, his special announcement, finally making that clear. And we get a really cool if you if you're watching this uh, this Raw that we're talking about, uh, the Raw following in your house one. Uh, if you go to the timestamp 2843, there's a really great Bob Backlund chicken sign. <laughs> You know, speaking about how he's an odd duck. He's he's a chicken in this sign, which is great. Uh, we get uh, Bob Backlund announcing that he is running for president. He gets a marching band. He gets, like, the tiniest legally what you can call pyro. Uh, this guy is amazing. Yeah. I just love, like, like, like he's just so, I don't know, how like, frenetic energy, I guess. It's no, what I'm looking yeah. for. He's very, like, like, he comes out, his shirt's untucked. He's constantly, like, he just keeps walking away from the mic like while he's, like, trying to, like, deliver this, like, promo about, like, running for, for president. It's like, dude, just stand still. <laughs> just, just, like, if you're going to talk, just, just chill for a second, tuck in your shirt, and use the microphone. <laughs> Backlund has no chill. He just gets so amped. It's amazing. Like, I wish I could have this, like, a small portion of his energy <laughs> if you ever if you ever need to get something done you just have to pretend you're bob backland <laughs> you motivated ever uh the the marching band i can't remember exactly what song they're playing i think it's hail to the chief my wife who was uh in marching band you know like in school and everything so she she's an expert she would know they're not even close to the right notes the marching band nice yeah. <laughs> but I felt like I felt like that was done on purpose though. Yeah. There's this just weird like comedy to what's happening. Yeah. yeah, that that was probably like part of the joke. Uh we get uh Jim Ross interviewing Ted DiBiase and you know, we get Bam Bam coming out. He's in his heat miser outfit. It's got like the big flame collars and the, the pyro on the wrists. 
Uh, I haven't noted here there's an Undertaker cosplayer in the audience, mm-hmm. which I thought was pretty cool. Uh, we get Diesel in Bam Bam's corner. Diesel chases off the million dollar ba- the million dollar man, and Bam Bam wins. He beats IRS. Uh, but Sid and Tatanka come out, and we get a Shawn Michaels video package. And then we move on to week four. Shawn Michaels returns, but th- you know, and Leith, I think we talked about this on the last episode. This is sort of like the beginning of Shawn Michaels' career always being in jeopardy. So, like, they're even teasing, like, King Kong Bundy versus Michaels in a way, like, I don't know, could Michaels die in this match? Probably. Oh, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Will Michaels survive? (laughs) Like, I'm sure there were just, like, little eight- and nine-year-old kids with anxiety trying to watch Shawn Michaels wrestle. Like, uh, you know, sort of how, like, we feel about Daniel Bryan now. Right. Eh. I don't know. I guess now that you're bringing that up, to me, I'm I'm guessing they're trying to play off the fact that Diesel is no longer his bodyguard, and I guess yeah. Sid at one point was his bodyguard. So now it's can this little man survive? You know the I don't know how tall King Kong Bundy is, but you know he is a huge man. Can he survive this? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Can he Can he survive? You know, uh, wrestling with the big boys, so to speak. Because he always had, like, somebody. Like, he had, yeah. like, you know, he had a tag partner, Mario Gennetti, then he had Sherry, then he had Diesel, then he had Sid. Now it's just, like, it's just him. Yeah. For, like, the first time pretty much ever. Oh, but just wait. Like, what can he do? Because <laughs> as we go on, he's going to get, like, Ahmed Johnson. Yeah. So. For some reason, they they never leave him to just be, himself. be by himself. Yeah. yeah. They don't but, like that. He's too little. But this match with uh, with King Kong Bundy isn't just any normal match. It's a King of the Ring qualifying match. Uh, we get uh, Razor Ramon with Savio Vega versus Mike Bell. It was an ECW, but that's all I got. Oh, okay. I don't know if he was a big deal in ECW, but he was just also in ECW. Given... Yeah, he's a guy that uh, was a jobber in a lot of the federations. Oh, okay. 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 He's maybe better known as uh, being part of the documentary Bigger, Stronger, Faster, oh, which okay. was all about the use of steroids, and they kind of create a case that, you know, nah, maybe steroids are not a bad thing. Hmm. And it's uh, the Bell Brothers. One of them is the WWF guy, and then the other two, I think it's a power lifter, and then a former bodybuilder who's now off steroids, but he's telling the story about him and his family, and it's a really good documentary. I I think it's on Netflix. It's worth watching. Yeah, but, I, feel like I, I think I've seen it. But it is kind of you know depressing considering that by the time they uh, finished, I think one of the brothers had actually did pass away. So right. it's a weird, it's a weird, weird, weird yeah. look at can that you, life. Can you imagine being on the for side of that argument? That's a that's a strong that's a strong stance to take. That's a hill to die on right there. I mean, does, but yeah. they make a good case for it because I mean, in their yeah. minds, like, well, what's the point? Like, in his, uh, the youngest brother, he's arguing that why not allow it? You know, let's go crazy with the baseball. Why do we have to dance around it? Everyone's doing it. Let's just make it legal and you know, let's do this with it and let bodybuilders do it. And yeah. it's an interesting thing. Hmm. It sounds interesting. I don't think I've seen that. That yeah, it's it is interesting, huh? 
uh, uh, getting back to to Raw, uh, Savi, uh, Razor Ramon with Savio Vega versus Mike Bell. Uh, we talk about how Razor is now a three-time Intercontinental Champion. He won it, but Jarrett won it back, and absolutely none of this was ever televised on Raw. Uh, Vince teasing King Mabel and King Bob Holly, because that could probably happen. Uh, we get uh, Razor winning, I think, the match, or, or at least hitting a choke slam during the match. And Bret Hart comes out. I haven't noted here that Bret Hart cannot pull off jorts. <laughs> just cannot. It just they're just at a really awkward length. They just don't look right. Yeah, yeah, he does have a weird get up here because he's shirtless, but he has his jorts on, but he's also wearing his Sgt. Pepper's jacket on top of it. So yeah, it's it's, it's a, a very weird look. Yeah, because the jorts don't go with the jacket. They just they really don't, but. Brett's Brett's all hot under the collar. And Leith, when you first when I first talked to you about this podcast, did you ever think we'd spend this much time talking about fashion? Uh no, I was not anticipating that part of it. Yeah. <laughs> but but it does come up. It's yeah. important. It is I important. Guess. I mean gear gear matters. Yeah. Put effort into your gear, everybody. Especially in this particular segment segment because it starts to go into the non-cartoonish world of professional wrestling. It yeah. seems to be a little bit more realistic of what's happening, even though he's wearing his goofy wrestler jacket. Like, this this bit almost uh, feels like a shoot. Like, Brett is hot, he wants Lawler, he's angry, he's pissed that he lost it in your house, and he's given him the freedom to name his price, and then he even says on a hot mic that he feels lower than... I, I'm not going to repeat that word. But uh, Bret Hart has some choice words for Jerry Lawler. And uh, Jerry Lawler's like, nope, get out of my face. And Bret gets dragged off. And then we get uh, Hunter Hearst Helmsley versus John Crystal. Possible brother of Billy Crystal. Yet to be determined. Any any info mm-hmm. on, on John Crystal, Leif? I got nothing. Nothing. Okay, that's okay. Bad he's month for a, jobbers. He's a guy. Yeah, he's a guy. <laughs> he lost to he lost to Triple H once. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and it, this is his WWF debut match. Yeah. Yeah. And he's billed as the American Blue Blood. Uh. Which feels again sort of like a dig at WCW. And I have it noted here that Hunter wins with a cutter, of all things. He's not using the pedigree just yet. No, I think I that d- came later, right? Yeah. Thanks. I do find it kind of interesting that this is, you know, the legendary Triple H. This is his first WWF match. And for now on forever, in all the DVDs and documentaries they'll have with him, they'll have this one match where Jerry Lawler is plugging the upcoming Christopher Reeves film, Mortal Sins, on the USA Network. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just <laughs> one of those things that's... Oh, wow, look at that. Like, that's going to be forever in this, in his history, that in his first match, they spent the majority of it plugging some terrible movie. <laughs> but at least it was a Duckman. I mean, they could have been the Duckman plugs all throughout this one. I yeah, mean, yeah. The, the Duckman plugs are great. We got. But it, but it does feel a little weird when they're talking to uh, 
cartoon characters over what's supposed to be the main event. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's fair. Uh, so we get we get uh, you know Hunter winning that match, and then we get another Bob Backlund promo. Yes. Oh, he had my vote up until he said no calculators. You're, like, I'm sorry, Mr. Backlund, but I can't go without a calculator. You're going to give up your summer vacation. <sighs> and you're going to give up rock music. Yeah. You're going to give all that up, but calculators is where you draw the line. That's exactly right. School all year. Learning. It's all good. The calculator thing, no. Can't do it. <laughs> That's the most controversial thing Bob Backlund has said thus far. No calculators for the kids. <laughs> so, I haven't noted here that, that Backlund looks like he's wearing three separate bow ties. Like one red, <laughs> one white, and one blue. And he's just, he's a grumpy old man. He just wants to take away your summer vacation and all the, all the, cool, all the, all the cool things kids like. Like, I'm surprised. He's getting that, he's getting that kid heat. Yeah. Like, I'm surprised at this point he wasn't just like, and I'm going to kill Nickelodeon. <laughs> uh, we get uh, we get a video package, kind of like, just like the complete opposite, like Matt Pompicelli, you know, went in the house, he's getting to meet the Bushwhackers, and that's all, all cool. Uh, we get uh, the Allied Powers versus Bill Payne and Tony DeVito. Uh, Tony DeVito wrestled for WWF, ECW, and ROH. Ooh. Interesting. Just, that's about it. Okay. Again, it doesn't say, like, I, no more information if he if he did well or not. <laughs> I apologize. But it, he, he was working. Okay. Uh, we get, uh, you know, the Allied Powers have some sweet tag team jackets, and they've got their little flag bearers. And this is probably the most impressive thing on on the match. The British Bulldog straight up lifts Mabel. Any... He was uh, struggling there, though. Let's not yeah. uh, say he was <laughs> without any kind of uh, issue. I mean, yeah, but like, that's, I mean, I know I couldn't lift Mabel. Well, have you tried? <laughs> that's, that's fair. Uh... So, You're talking about the uh, the electric chair drop he did on him. Yeah, yeah, he was a. Uh, oh yeah, I was a. Uh, I was sat there for a minute going, oh no, oh no, please, oh please, don't fall on him. But yeah, he hit it. Yeah, uh, we get uh, we get more Bob Backlund again. He's going to be tough on immigration. He's not gonna. Uh, they're talking about like all this like during the match that Backlund's going to be tough on immigration and not let guys like British Bulldog. And uh, I think even like Yokozuna into the country. <laughs> we get uh, we get Kama versus a fan favorite here on this show. One Mr. Barry Horowitz. I have notes for for Mr. Horowitz. Here. Oh, do you? Yes, because I noticed that. I think at the beginning of the match, he pats himself on the back. Uh huh. As like a like he does it a few times where he's like kind of you know like patting himself on the back but apparently yeah. that was a throwback to when he started with the WWF and he actually used to wear a vest with a handprint on the back mm-hmm. so he would give himself a congratulatory pat on the back like during his matches oh, that's... So there you go yeah he's honoring himself yeah throughout this match throwback <laughs> uh, 
we get uh, you for, know, for the true Barry Horowitz fans. Yeah, for the hardcore <laughs> Horowitz fans. Uh, we get uh, you know, Kama's still got the the urn melted down into the necklace, and we're teasing Undertaker versus Jeff Jarrett next week in a King of the Ring qualifying match. Is Jerry going to accept Brett's challenge? I mean, now that Brett's given him like a blank check, and I have it noted here that Horowitz is just dead following his comma <laughs> match. Just straight up, he dead. Stop the match. Uh, Horowitz actually uh, loses to a half crab that comma straps him in. And this is something I noticed here that uh, was pretty interesting. So when we get into WCW, part of uh, Slamboree was the WCW Hall of Fame. And what is the WWF promoting? Their Hall of Fame, too. This isn't just any Hall of Fame, though. There's a banquet involved. It's going to be the Saturday night before King of the Rings, so it'll be the following month. There's going to be dinner. It's going to be a ceremony. We announce the first inductee, which is Antonino Rocca. And then we get Barry Dodinsky selling a Shawn Michaels All Over t-shirt, which, again, probably nowadays goes for like two, $300. King Kong Bundy versus Shawn Michaels and Michaels... You know, it's a it's actually a pretty good match. Michaels has Yeah, this was this was probably my favorite overall for this month for Raw. I, I think that's my favorite well, no, not my favorite, but this is close. Uh we get uh Michaels with some explosive early offense against uh Bundy. And we get a lot of the signature Michael spots, like the you know, the flip over turnbuckle spot, the you know a lot of a lot of those sort of like signature Michaels sells. Yeah, he's he's selling it like just right to make yeah. King Kong Bundy look just. Yeah, brutal. he's yeah. bouncing all over the ring like a, a cartoon character, very similar to what Ric Flair does. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they're both really good at selling. It's when they they're the kind of people that like they can sell it in a way to make the match look amazing, or they can sell it to make you look like garbage. It just depends on their mood and if they like you. Yeah. Uh, we get, uh, you know, during this whole match, we kind of keep cutting to Diesel and Bam Bam watching this match, like, on the world's tiniest television I in, a, in, like, a broom closet. I definitely closet. had comments on that, too. Yeah. It was so tiny. It's, like, amazing. Like, how, do, how did they even see anything? Like, we're, we're joking. <laughs> we're joking about this, but, like, Diesel's, like, 6 foot 12, 6 foot 20, like... That that Six TV, foot 20. yeah, like that TV is probably pretty big. We're just you know super tiny. <laughs> so, but I mean, yeah, somebody squeezed Bam Bam Bigelow and Diesel into a broom closet to watch this match. Michaels wins the match. He beats King Kong Bundy. He's victorious. Diesel comes out and he's like, you know what, Sean? Let's put let's put this to bed. Let's be friends again. Here's a big old handshake. Michael's Man. like, nah, put that away. Big high five. And 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 Diesel, uh, like Diesel, Bam Bam, Trip or Triple H, yeah, HBK. <laughs> they're all they're all friends. They're all skipping through the field together. Yeah, two dudes with attitude reunited. Uh, we get uh, next week. We got Sid in action, Hakushi in action. You know, we're talking to Jerry. Jerry, are you going to accept the match with Bret Hart? Suddenly got a big old frog in his throat, can't talk. And we close out Monday Night Raw with The Undertaker saying he's the king of darkness. Could he also be king of the ring? 
And then the WWF, the last week of May of 1995. Boy, howdy, are we pumping up for King of the Ring. Uh, we get the beginning of Raw. Jeff Jarrett calling out The Undertaker. He's not scared at all, mind you. He's got his, he's got his light-up uh, sunglasses and his light-up hat. Suddenly the lights cut out in the arena. And then Jarrett's all like, get the flashlight! Get the flashlight! He, he's definitely a little... little uh, Afraid of the Undertaker. Uh, we get a bit about Diesel getting reconstructive surgery on his elbow, <laughs> which was weird. Just yeah. he was there last week. All of a sudden, oh, he's hurt. What yeah. happened? Did Michaels high five him too hard? It would have been great. It, like if this was Chikara, that's exactly how they would have sold it. The atomic high five. Send him to the hospital. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, we got. I, I think it's the same Undertaker cosplayer in the audience, so it's possible that this could have been filmed at the same taping. Oh yes, yes, it's the same. Yeah, it's the same people in the crowd. Yeah, uh, we get uh, we get an Alundra Blaze interview. Oh, that's right. They have women. Yeah, a whole women's segment. <laughs> they have women, and it's just Alundra Blaze. And whenever she's not there, they just forget about it. Yeah, and they have uh, a she was a, the champ mm-hmm. at one point. <laughs> we know this because they had a women's match last month. Yeah. Did okay. they actually have a women's match without Alundra? Uh, no, no, it, it was, was a, with Alundra. Yeah. Okay, see, and that's the thing. Like even WCW, when they had their own women's league, it was all centered around Medusa, and whenever Medusa wasn't there, they just never really did any matches. It seemed like she was the cornerstone for both these promotions. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. I mean, that's pretty much how how it goes. As we as we and get on, it here. feels like like a, a, during this time period, they didn't really have too many women's like women wrestlers outside of like girls from Japan that would mm-hmm. come in, but they couldn't really speak English. Well, so it's not like they could do promo work or anything well, easily. And that's the so thing. I think Alundra Blaze was pretty much all they had. Yeah, they they weren't prioritizing women's wrestling, and they knew no, not at all. Yeah, not at all, not in the slightest. And they knew that uh, they were treating it as sort of like a sideshow. And you know, they knew that the the Japanese women's wrestlers could could work and do some pretty impressive things in the ring. Mm-hmm. For like the the two minutes they get. Yep. They could put on a good show. But uh, Alundra Blaze is out here talking about Bertha Faye. And we get uh, Sid with Tatanka and Ted DiBiase versus uh, jobber Mike Curry. Because Sid in a squash match still needs, like, two guys to watch his back. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously. Yeah. Again, I just have it noted here, Mike Curry dead. Uh, We talk about, uh, we get, like, an actual video uh, of, you know, What's happening with Diesel? You know, it was the choke slam and the power bomb by Sid, and he landed on his injured elbow. He ruptured a bursa sack, and they're putting over Dr. James Andrews as this like world-renowned doctor. Worked on so many athletes. Uh, you know, we still get another Jeff Jarrett promo where he's still definitely not scared. We get <laughs> Adam Bomb versus Bob Cook. No notes on Bob Cook. 
and mm-hmm. we get uh, they're promoting a special one-hour version of WrestleMania 11 that they're going to broadcast on TV. Uh, but Adam Bomb actually wins with the flying clothesline. And I just have it noted, why wasn't Adam Bomb bigger? This yeah. Isn't, isn't I have, fair. The only thing I can find about uh, Bob Cook is that he his, his son is also a wrestler. Oh, very cool. Uh, Robbie Cook. Robbie Cook, okay. I have no idea where he wrestles. Sorry. <laughs> and if you're a fan of Adam Bomb, he does go on to a little bit uh, more success in WCW as yeah. Wrath. Yeah. So you you got you you'll get that. He he won't ever get the World Heavyweight Championship, but he'll have a nice undefeated streak in ninety seven ninety eight. I cannot wait until we get to Glacier. So <laughs> I really can't. That is that is just peak WCW for me. Uh, we get uh, Todd Pettengill promoting King of the Ring. I think he mentions taking on Connie Chung in a cage match. <laughs> For reasons, uh, we get Diesel and Bam Bam versus Sid and Tatanka. Uh, Doc Hendricks is in just like the worst white suit he could be in. It's actually like two separate whites, and he kind of looks like Colonel Sanders. Uh, there's a lot of ribs on Vince McMahon about his hairpiece, which I found out that Vince doesn't actually wear a hairpiece. No, we saw the president shave his head. Yeah. Mm, that it's always a weird one. Yep. <laughs> uh, we get uh, Hakushi bringing out a burlap sack. What's in the sack? It's Bret Hart's head. Mm, no. Is it? Yeah. No. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Did you miss that? Yeah, I actually... Honestly, I missed this entire week somehow. <laughs> Yeah. I'm I'm my my notes got screwed up or something. I missed an episode. I apologize. That's okay. He he pulls out <laughs> he pulls out a dummy Bret Hart head. Wow. It's and like, tosses it almost immediately afterwards. The crowd yeah. doesn't really react to it at all. Yeah. <laughs> but wow. it is kind of interesting to people who watched WWF around this time. I see a lot of talk on Twitter that this is something that they remember. They remember seeing this one particular moment, and it ran in all the magazines, so even though, yeah, it was a throwaway, nothing bit of TV, it did stick in people's heads. That's right. It was it was pretty shocking, because the only person who was doing anything like that at the time was probably The Undertaker. Uh, we, get, uh, we get Hakushi versus John Snakowski. Hakushi just wins with a rolling senton. Again, this is just a, a squash match. Did you enjoy Jerry Lawler's casual racism? Yeah. Referring to Hakushi as his sushi sushi eating friend. Yeah, that was that was a little racist. Yeah, uh, just a little. A little. Uh we, pretty terrible with that. Yeah. On on a regular basis. Yeah. We're going to find that the, that the Attitude Era is not necessarily a bastion of cultural understanding and enlightenment. <laughs> uh, we get uh, we get more names for the WWF Hall of Fame. Ernie Ladd and Ivan Putzky. Uh, Polish Power. 
Uh, we get uh, the WWF Women's Champion Alundra Blaze. There's rumors that Harvey Whippleman is Bertha Faye's boyfriend. And Owen Hart versus the British Bulldog next week. We get uh, Men on a Mission versus Gary Scott and Aaron Ferguson. Pettengill back with King of the Ring. And here's the funny thing. like They kept calling these qualifying matches, and I just thought these were like the first-round matches, and they're not. These are just to get put up on the brackets. Right. So, Mabel advanced, Holly advanced, Sean advanced, Kama advanced, and Razor advanced. Those are the names so far that have gone up on the brackets. Uh, Barry Dodinsky is back with a cool Undertaker. He's got soul shirt and a Monday Night Raw hat. Uh, we get Jarrett versus Undertaker. This is probably my favorite match of the month. Uh, we get... Uh, <laughs> Paul Bearer practically is going to fight the roadie. Under- <laughs> Undertaker hits a choke slam and a tombstone pile driver and wins the match. And it'll be Mabel versus Undertaker in the first King of the Ring match. Uh, we get Jerry Lawler challenging the fans and even Jerry Lawler's mom challenging Helen Hart. And Bob Backlund is going to take away all the kids' rock and roll music. And that's how we end May of 1995. So do we got any, any final thoughts on May of 1995? I think it's cool that uh, Alundra is, even though I was kind of trash-talking earlier, I like the fact that she's around at the WWF and they're making her to be a big deal. Uh, the crowd was actually into her return, and they yep. seemed to be happy she was there. And to me, it's, uh, I find it interesting. She's out in the ring. Vince is in the ring with her. But Jerry Lawler is by himself making bad, terrible jokes about her appearance just to himself. It is so awkward and cringe-inducing. It is yeah. super creepy. Uh, but I, I like the fact that, yes, Alundra Blaze is getting a spotlight, and I liked seeing her in a WCW, so it's good to see this part of her career. Okay. Liv, any any final thoughts on WWF? Ah. Uh. No. <laughs> okay. I, I really, I don't know. I don't really have anything more to, to add. Um, than what we've talked yay, about. Yay for Barry Horowitz, though. We, we did get to see him in action again. Yeah. And and Mantar and Adam Baum. We got all our favorites. We, yeah, like, Horowitz is, like, the guy I'm always going to root for. Like, I know he's just, you know, basically a jobber, but, like, I kind of want to see him get a, a magical push somewhere. <laughs> so, I think something like that happens, though. Maybe. I don't want to ruin it for you. I think he gets a win, believe it or not. Oh, win. That would be amazing. That was like when, like, uh, uh, Trent Beretta got a win on, like, SmackDown or something, like, a million years ago. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> I love it when, like, jobbers get, like, that one win. It's so good. It's so good. So we're gonna we're gonna cut out uh, you know we're gonna this has uh, been the first episode of May of 1995. So Brian, where can people find you on the internet? You can just type up WCW Worldwide on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. I'm all over the place. WCWWorldwide.com is the main site, and then you can just follow me on Twitter at Real Brian B. Very cool. And Leith, where can people find you on the internet? I am on Twitter at Priya underscore Lane, P-A-R-I-A-H underscore L-A-Y-N-E. All right. 
Very cool. And everybody, uh, you can follow Wrestling Time Machine on Twitter, uh, just WTM Podcast. You can also follow us on iTunes. And please, if you're listening to us on iTunes, leave us a review because that helps us out. That helps our visibility out and helps us, you know, if there's, like, feedback you want to give, that helps us make changes. And follow us on Podbean. You can participate in the show and, and, you know, let us know your thoughts and be a part of the conversation by emailing this show at WrestlingTimeMachinePodcast at gmail.com, and we'll read your emails live on the show. And check out our premium content, our, our Rift Tracks episodes. Uh, those are those are a lot of fun. And check out NerdFixStrangers.com and also EvetteMakesThings.com for all sorts of cool, nerdy things like homemade wrestle buddies and uh, badges and jewelry, dream catchers, all sorts of really great things that are fun and unique. And with that, I think we're going to call this uh, first episode of May of 1995 done. And we'll be back with part two. Update on human species destruct order for planet known as Earth. Proceed. Two world wars and nuclear weapons indicate they may destroy entire planet themselves. What else? Further destruction of their environment continues with many species extinct already. Protective ozone layer partially destroyed. Any reason to spare them? Only this data tape, an organization with a devoted following known as the World Wrestling Federation. It shows promise. Maybe there's hope for these humans. Delay their destruction 100 solar cycles. The World Wrestling Federation. You never know. We might be saving the world.